Good morning. Uh, welcome to those of you who are over in our chapel, down at our Minnetonka campus, and of course online as well. It's great to be with all of you here at Calvary. Uh, here it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And it's our mission. If you consider Calvary your home to be a part of this community, then this is your mission too. So if you've brought a gift that you want to invest into our shared mission, uh, you can give that in a couple of different ways. You can drop it off outside the doors as you leave the service uh, in those wooden boxes, or you can uh, go online to calvary.org give. We're in the midst of a series called Follower. We're realizing more and more that in our evangelical Christian tradition, that we've emphasized believing in Jesus over following Jesus. And because of that, we have a lot of people who are Christian in word, but less so in deed. We focused much more on right belief to the expense of right practice. And the result is a lack of Christ-likeness. And that's becoming more and more apparent. Yet the Bible places its emphasis primarily on our character and our behavior. Now belief in Jesus is necessary. I mean, why follow Jesus if we don't believe in him, right? But following him is really about being obedient, becoming more like him. Jesus himself says this in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on the rock. So those who not only listen, but also obey Jesus' teaching. And where do we find Jesus' teaching? The Bible. And we're going to be talking about Scripture today because it makes sense that if we're going to follow Jesus... If we're going to listen and obey his teaching, then we need to spend time in Scripture. And here at Calvary, we have a very high view of the Bible. We believe it is the inspired word of God. It is God-breathed. That everything we need to know about God and his redemptive work through Jesus is in Scripture. And that as... Christ followers, we are completely dependent on Scripture to know those things. So, as followers of Jesus, we need to ground our lives and root our relationship with God in His Word. And we want to be a church that's saturated in Scripture. There's a, a psalm, Psalm 119, and I think it sort of paints this ideal picture of what it could be like uh, for someone to have a connection and relationship with God through Scripture. This is what it says. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. 
How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. And here's a famous verse. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now, maybe as you read this psalm, you resonate with it and you say, yeah, that's my relationship with the Bible. Maybe it's a regular habit for you of reading scripture. Uh, It's significant and meaningful when you open the Bible, you have an enriching and transformational experience. And if that's you, awesome. Keep at it. But you're also probably the minority. For many of us, the Bible is not a habit. And even if it is, when we try to read it, it doesn't feel meaningful or significant, but confusing, boring, or even irrelevant. And I just want you to know that the message this morning is primarily for those of us who struggle to find meaning and significance from our Bible reading practice. Now, we know that as followers of Jesus, we should read our Bibles. You've probably heard daily Bible reading lifted up as a essential spiritual discipline. And, (coughs) excuse me, the problem is, is that when we have an ideal, an expectation, and then we fall short of that in our reality, we can feel ashamed and insecure, right? I don't read my Bible every day. I'm not a very good Christian, right? Well, I just want to offer up one observation uh, that will help you out. The original audience of Scripture, so the people that it was written to, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, did not read their Bible every day. They didn't. Now, they were illiterate. They didn't know how to read. But there also just weren't very many copies of Scripture. We didn't have a printing press. You didn't have a, a phone in your pocket that you could just pull, pull up uh, and look at the Bible. Daily Bible reading. Something that maybe you've heard, again, is this like necessary thing, was not something that even Jesus did. I hope that alleviates maybe some shame you've felt about this practice. Now, saying that, I'm going to say this. The first century Jewish people and the earliest followers of Jesus were far more immersed in the scriptures than we are today, even though they didn't have access to one in their homes. They memorized huge portions of scripture. They meditated on it all the time. It was frequently a part of their regular conversation. They ingested the message of the Bible in a much deeper way than we do, even though we have copies of the Bible in our own homes. Our goal here at Calvary when it comes to reading the Bible is not to create a checkbox culture where you, you know, open your Bible, read a verse quick, and be like, okay, I did that. I'm a good Christian today. No, our goal is for the scriptures to actually play a meaningful role in your life and in your relationship with God. That's our goal. That's what we want, and I hope that you want that as well. One of the ways that we express that value and we want to reach that goal, uh, it was mentioned before, is we give Bibles to third graders. Uh, We're going to be doing that next week. Uh, And we get to celebrate and point out this central piece to our Christian faith is our dependence on the Word of God. 
But it's not just a ritual. These families and these third, third graders, they meet throughout the year with our kids director, Sue Mark, and they talk about, man, how do I read the Bible? And how do I actually understand what God is trying to say? So it's this really beautiful thing that we get to do as a church. We want to be more like the earliest followers of Jesus, where we're saturated in Scripture, so much so that it becomes a part of our DNA. Now, regular Bible reading can help that. That's just not the ultimate goal. So this morning, I'm going to suggest three steps, three steps that we can each take to increase our meaningful engagement with Scripture so that the Bible can play a more significant role in our growing relationships with Jesus. Okay, here's the three steps. Acknowledge the obstacles, apply the principles, and then actually read it. These principles, uh, you can apply them every, like whenever you do read the Bible, and you can also just apply them in general uh, as you think about uh, the practice. All right, so first, acknowledge the obstacles. There are obstacles to reading the Bible. We don't all have the same difficulties, but I would guess that we all have some. And in our church culture, we don't really like to admit that because the Sunday school answer when someone says, what's your favorite book? What are you supposed to say? The Bible. The Bible's my favorite book. And we, we, we treat it as though it's something that we get a lot out of and that we read all the time, but that's just not always the case. So the first step, I think, is to acknowledge that, hey, there's some obstacles that we face when it comes to reading our Bibles. Now, I love to read. Many of you do. Some of you don't. If I could sit by a fire in the evening with a good book, that just sounds the best. To some of you, that might sound like hell. Um, and, and I get that. To me, it's great. Uh, and I love a good fantasy novel, an adventure novel, something that I can just really escape into. But that presents uh, an obstacle for me when it comes to reading the Bible, and maybe this is true for you too, because guess what? The Bible isn't very fun to read. Yes, a pastor said the Bible's not very fun to read. It's okay. It's not very fun to read. It's not as entertaining as my adventure books. Now, when you get like the little kids' Bibles, those are a little more fun. Like sometimes I wish I could just have that with me all the time. But I think we set ourselves up for failure and discouragement if we think we should love to read our Bible because it's so fun. Sometimes the Bible's just straight up boring. I mean, have you ever gotten to those like endless genealogies like in the Old Testament? I mean, in the New Testament, Matthew has a really big genealogy. It's boring. No one wants to sit there and read that, right? Let alone, what am I supposed to get out of that? We have repetitive stories. There's ancient history that seems out of touch and irrelevant to our modern world. Uh, and then, I mean, we just have transla translations from ancient languages into modern English, and it can be really clunky and uncomfortable to read. Now, the Bible might not be fun to read, but guess what? It wasn't actually designed to be fun. It was designed to be meaningful and significant. It was designed to transform us. It was designed to reveal truth to us. 2 Timothy 3 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 
God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It might not be fun, but it's supposed to be meaningful. It's supposed to bring substance to our lives and to our relationship with God. And that's why, you know, maybe you've come across somebody who just is in love with the Bible because of what it contributes to their relationship with God and the way that they live and their values and priorities. And that's what we want. We want the Bible to play that significant, meaningful role. All right, another obstacle for me, for many people, is that the Bible is complicated. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. The Bible is complicated. That's an obstacle for many people when you read it. Now, case in point, um, here's a Bible. Hefty one. All right, so this is a study Bible, which means that there's all sorts of notes and historical context. There's some maps in here. Uh, you know, they have all these, like, cross-references. So, like, just the very top of the page is actually, like, from the Bible and the rest is all other information you might, might want to know. So it makes it thicker, makes it bigger. Uh, this one's even bigger because it includes apocryphal and deuterocanonical books in it. Good, I'm seeing some glazed stares. You're like, what is that? It's complicated, okay? Basically, those are just other ancient texts that are similar in subject matter and writing style, but for various really good reasons, they're not considered inspired by God in the same way as the rest of the scriptures, okay? Uh, but the point, again, is uh, it's complicated. All right, so this is a commentary. A commentary is something written by a scholar to help us understand what the Bible says and what it's all about. Raise your hand if you've ever uh, opened up a commentary before. You guys are crazy. Okay, so uh, this is a commentary. This is on one book in the Bible, the Gospel of John. Look at that. Actually, I lied. It's on half of the book of the Gospel of John. This is a commentary on the Gospel of John. Mind-boggling, right? And this is just one commentary. There's hundreds of commentaries on the Gospel of John on one book of the Bible, let alone how many commentaries on every other book of the Bible. And then on top of that, you put all the other books that are written about the Bible and podcasts, devotionals, sermons, you name it. And it just seems to get more and more complicated. The complexity of the Bible can be an obstacle. It can feel overwhelming. The Apostle Paul uh, is one of the earliest followers of Jesus. He wrote most of the letters that we have in the New Testament, uh, and he wrote in really dense and complicated ways. And Peter, another disciple of Jesus, uh, actually writes about Paul in one of his letters that we have in the New Testament, and this is what he says. Some of his comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. Okay, so if you're ever uh, reading your Bibles and it feels complicated and difficult to understand, you can just agree with Peter. Okay? You can just agree with Peter. Yes, it is difficult. But here's the thing. The complexity of Scripture is also what makes it so rich and beautiful. I think that it presents us with this challenge where we have to work through and question and wrestle with what we're reading. We have to bring our whole selves into the 
scriptures as we engage them. And I think it's through that process, it's this intentional engagement with the Bible's complexity that God transforms us. And maybe you've had this experience, you're really familiar with a certain chapter or a certain book in the Bible and you're in a new season of life and you go back and you revisit that familiar passage and all of a sudden God opens it up in a whole new way. There's layers and complexity and part of that is intentional in how God wants to use it. So although it might be daunting and feel like an obstacle, I also want you to remember that a life of discipleship is a lifelong process. Engaging, reading, meditating on the scriptures is meant to change us over time. So don't give up. All right, one last obstacle. It's a big one that I think we face when reading the Bible. It's that the Bible has been used to cause harm. Now this happens today, but it's easiest to point out instances in the past. Because, for example, Christians used the Bible in the medieval era to persecute and even kill heretics. That was just someone who disagreed with the general theological consensus. Christians used the Bible to justify slavery and to oppress people of color. It's been used to justify unethical uses of political power unjust acts of violence and war, greed. It's been used as a way to relegate women to a lower status than men. It's been used to reject science and as an excuse to misuse and even abuse God's creation. Now, many of you are already objecting and you're wanting to say, yes, but those misuses are a result of misinterpretation. I agree. But... Even if the harm that the Bible has been used to cause isn't an obstacle for you, it is for many, many people. And increasingly so, especially in younger generations. And so we need to acknowledge this obstacle, especially when it comes to outreach and we want people to enter into a growing relationship with Jesus. There's even social media platforms like TikTok where there's this new wave of biblical criticism, where someone will make a video and they'll point out a historical moment where Christians misused the Bible to cause harm, or they'll point out a strange and crazy sounding passage in the Bible. They'll present it, mock it, and then dismiss the whole Christian faith as out of touch and irrelevant. Now, most of them are reading the Bible wrong. And they have really uneducated interpretive processes. But the reality is that there are difficult, complicated, and even crazy sounding Bible passages. And the Bible has been used to cause harm. It's an obstacle for many people and it's one that I think we need to acknowledge. Now, although the Bible has been used to cause harm, great harm, There is no book that even compares to the positive impact that the Bible has had in the world. Science, medicine, education, morality. The way we live our lives, the reason why we care about the things that we care about are due in large part to the Bible, whether we know it or not. 
whether we're Jesus followers or not. It's been researched. This has been studied, the impact that the Bible has had on modern society. And it's that positive kind of impact that we want in our lives and that we want here as a church. And so we want to learn to engage the scriptures in a more meaningful way. But first we have to acknowledge that there are obstacles to that. And maybe your obstacle is just the time in your schedule or you don't like to read, right? We all have different obstacles. All right, the second step in this process is to apply the principles. Now, if you're a note taker, now would be a good time. You take your phone out, uh, take some notes. Now, you might think of other, you know, reading practices that you think uh, would be good to offer up, but I'm just going to give you a few. All right, so the first one, read more than a Bible verse. Turn to your neighbor and say, read more than a Bible verse. All right, thank you. You know, we all have the bumper stickers. We have the post-it note on the bathroom mirror. We have the Instagram profiles with the verses. And although some individual Bible verses do a really great job of summarizing a biblical theme or a particular truth, these, this practice of reading only verses can be really problematic. It can cause a lot of difficulties and lead to a lot of misuses. Now, again, for the earliest Jewish people and the earliest followers of Jesus, they memorized and internalized scripture to such a degree that if someone quoted one Bible verse, it would actually bring the whole passage, if not the whole book, into their minds. But because we don't read the Bible that way, we take a Bible verse and then we create meaning out of it that's outside of its context and can often be led astray. Let me give you a a popular example. Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Can I get an amen? Amen. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, you want to get rich? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, you want to win a football game? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. All right. We can apply this verse to any area that we hope for or want success. But what if we read more than a Bible verse. Let's do that together. We're going to read four verses. This is Paul writing. He says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. All right, so what is Paul saying? What is he enabled to do because of the strength of Christ? To be content even while lacking, even while suffering, even while going through difficulty. See, when we just pull the verse out, we make it mean the opposite of what it means in context. Because we're discontent with life, we want success, we want to achieve something, we want our circumstances to change, and we say yes, because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, therefore I can get out of this situation that I'm discontent with. But the whole point of the passage is that the strength of Christ enables us to be content even when things aren't the way we want them to be. 
You see the problem there. And we can do that with all sorts of different verses, which is why this is a good principle to apply to our scripture reading. Read more than a Bible verse. Do your best to read the verses in a passage, the passage in, a, in the chapter, chapter in a book. And then over time, as we get more and more acquainted with the Bible, we can actually understand how the book plays into the overarching story of Scripture. Read more than a Bible verse. That's the first principle. The second one is this. Read in community. Again, having our personal Bibles is a relatively modern phenomenon. For most of Christian history, this just was not a reality. You couldn't read the Bible by yourself. Instead, you were taught in public, and you discussed it in community. Now, this also led to abuses of power, which is why we're thankful for the Reformation. But like Jesus himself, uh, in the first century, there were many rabbis. There were teachers of Scripture. They would travel around to different towns to read the Scriptures to people. They would teach the Bible. So they would go to different synagogues and have conversations with other Jewish people. And each rabbi had followers, disciples. This wasn't unique to Jesus. It was just a part of their culture. And the different rabbis didn't always agree with one another. There were disagreements. And so people knew that they could discuss and they could ask questions and they could sort through what they thought was true and untrue, accurate and less accurate. For the follower of Jesus in the first century, they only ever heard the scripture read in public. 1 Timothy 4.13 says this, Paul's writing to another church leader. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. See, sometimes we think that reading the Bible by ourselves is the best way, that we can sort of have this unfiltered, unmediated, unmediated conversation between us and God. That's just not true. We always bring many voices with us. We bring our biases, our assumptions, our personal history, our cultural background. And there's this real danger, and I think that it's at least what contributes to some of the misuses of Scripture. There's this real danger of relying solely on our intuition and calling it the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't read the Bible on your own. You should, and I should. I'm saying you shouldn't only read the Bible on your own. We need to read in community too. It's good to have teachers, to read books, to listen to podcasts, dare I say, open a commentary, if you dare. The Bible is written and designed that we will get more out of it when we read it with other people when we allow more voices and more influence into our interpretive Bible reading process. Because when there's other people, they can correct our assumptions. They can make us guess and second guess our biases. They can bring a different understanding that maybe we couldn't come to on our own. And that's why here at Calvary, we push groups all the time. Every time you come on Sunday morning, pretty much, we say, join a group, join a group, join a group. Well, guess what? Join a group. I, every week I write 
sermon discussion guides. So based off the sermon of the week before, there's scripture to read together, and then uh, in your small groups, those guides are, are meant to facilitate meaningful conversation, to, to bring up questions, to cause us to wrestle with the sermon and the scripture. And it's through that process that we're transformed and become followers of Jesus. You can find those on our website. If you're interested, you go to the groups tab down to resources and they're posted there every week. Uh, And if you want to, you could go through them as a family or join a group. All right, read in community. The last principle uh, that I want to encourage us all to apply is that whenever we read the Bible, to ask this question, how does this lead to Jesus? Now, Jesus himself in John chapter five five says this, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Or as Martin Luther puts it, the Bible is the cradle wherein Christ is laid. As Christians, this is where our focus needs to be. Jesus is lifted up as the ultimate word of God, logos in Greek. He's God's wisdom. He's God's character revealed. All the scriptures are summed up and fulfilled in Jesus. And so when we're reading our Bibles, when you open and you come to a complicated, difficult passage, and you ask this question, at the very least, what we can say is, I just don't yet understand how this leads to Jesus, but I know that it does. Acknowledge the obstacles, apply the principles, and then our last step, actually read it. That's the goal, that we'll learn as a church to engage the scriptures in a more meaningful way. So do what it takes, create a schedule, Prioritize Sunday mornings. Get your teenagers involved in YTH, your kids with Calvary Kids. Come on Wednesday nights where we're learning from Jesus and his teaching and learning to apply it in all sorts of areas of our lives. Listen to different teachers and pastors, podcasts. And we can all open ourselves up to what God wants to do through scripture by meditating on it, digesting it, and wrestling with scripture. Let's be a church that's saturated in the word, that wrestles honestly and engages the difficulties and complexities and even obstacles that we face when reading the Bible. Let's be a church that reads more than a Bible verse and learns how to read and engage scripture in community. Because it's through that process that we're going to be transformed to be more Christ-like over time. To be followers of Jesus, not just in word, but in deed as well. Now there's many resources out there that help us understand the Bible and what it's about. Bible studies, devotionals, you name it. We often push the, the YouVersion Bible app Uh, It's worthwhile, get it, it's a great resource, especially for those of you who reading is an obstacle because it has the audible option, you can just listen to the Bible, it's a great option. Uh, But I wanna take the opportunity to suggest another resource, maybe you're less familiar with it, it's called The Bible Project. Uh, Instead of me telling you about it, I'll let them do it. 
Look at the screens. So the Bible is one of the most influential books of all time, but what is it exactly? Yeah, some people treat the Bible like a divine behavior manual that dropped out of heaven. Others use it like a theology dictionary written to answer all of our questions about God. And others still think of it like a grab bag of spiritual one-liners and inspiring stories. But here's the thing. The Bible isn't written as a rule book or theology dictionary or even as a collection of inspirational writings. Then what is the Bible? Well, open up the Bible to page one and read the opening words. In the beginning. Now, turn to the last chapter of the Bible where you can read this. And they reigned forever and ever. Okay, so the Bible's telling a story from beginning to end. Yeah, it's one epic narrative about how God has appointed humanity as his partners to oversee this amazing world. It's about how we've ruined that partnership and how God is restoring us and our world through Jesus. Okay, one story, but there's a lot going on. Many plots, many characters, all written in many different books. But once you see how every book has a careful literary design, you won't get lost. And you can see how it fits into the overall storyline. There are also important repeated themes that weave through the entire biblical story. Yeah, like the covenants that God makes with people. Or the hope for a human who will confront evil. Or how God's justice will one day make all things right. And every theme culminates in the story of Jesus. There are also a lot of strange words in the Bible, words we don't use in normal language. But when we take time to understand them, we discover profound ideas that contribute to the overall biblical story. So it takes work to know how to read the different types of literature in the Bible. But once you do learn how, you'll discover that the Bible is a work of literary genius that can transform how you live and how you think about everything. So that's what the Bible Project is all about, to help people see the Bible as one unified story that leads to Jesus. We're a nonprofit animation studio that makes videos and resources. And it's all free to use because of a large group of generous people who've come together to contribute to this project. You can find everything that we're up to at thebibleproject.com. All right, so I can't recommend this resource enough. Check it out on their website, all the videos. They give you overviews, uh, reading, practice suggestions. They have a podcast for those of you who are nerds like me who want to dig a little bit deeper. Um, And then they also have an app. Take your phone out right now. It's fine. Go to the App Store. Download the app. It's phenomenal. It's a reading app, sort of like you version, but they also give you this guided reading journey where they also connect you with all of their videos uh, and connect you with the overall themes in the Bible. I seriously cannot recommend it enough. All right, the three steps, acknowledge the obstacles, apply the principles, and then actually read it. And I think if we do, I think that the Bible will become a rich, meaningful, and significant agent of change in our growing relationships with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have this amazing privilege of having your word in our own homes, in our own pockets. God, sometimes it's hard to read. It's hard to create a habit out of it. It's hard for it to play a meaningful and significant role in our relationship with you, but we want it to. We want as a church and as individuals and as families to be saturated in your word, to be impacted by the truth that you have given us. And so we just ask that you work in each of our circumstances, help us to acknowledge the obstacles to apply good principles, but then to ultimately actually read it. And we trust that you'll meet us 
in that process. In Jesus' name, amen.